Happy New Year, Ed. Happy the New Reds Year. Are back. Yeah. Doing their thing. Is it happy though? So, is it though? Yeah, it is because the because Man United's results are, should not affect your personal happiness too much. But they, but they do. I, I'm I sorry about live that, and die Ed. by them. <laughs> My kids live and die by them. <laughs> poor, those poor kids. <laughs> I, I spoke to both of your kids yesterday, and the littlest one. I asked him what he said. He said, we've got water with a blue top and water with a red top. And I said, which colour's your favourite? He said, red. And I was like, oh, well done, Ed. And then he went, the other one, I won't name him, but the other one likes blue. I was like, oh, that's going to cause a problem in later life. <laughs> um, you've done, you've got one of the kids to like red. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the middle one watches the football with me occasionally. Um, although he has taken to calling the team Man U, which I really don't like. Object to it. <laughs> I don't understand why people object to that so much. I have, all my life, people have called it Man U. Yes. So how is our game against us? <laughs> um, I, that isn't the same. <laughs> that, that's, that isn't the same. Anyway, uh, the Manchester United Football Club... It's oh, Manchester no, no. We're not, we're United. Not football, we're not football club anymore. I mean, do you, do you see the words FC anywhere on our badge? Definitely not. We are a media company that happens yeah. to play sports. Yeah. So Manchester United. This was this was the living embodiment of it's Manchester United. The the frustration of the global sporting world not catching up to the fact that we are bobbins now. After the lovely positive uh, performances against Newcastle and Burnley, playing against a team that did not pass the ball to our strikers in dangerous areas, turned out to be our Achilles heel. and um, Pretty selfish, Arsenal, isn't it? I mean, yeah. we played this opposition, you don't gift us goals. Very rude as well of Arsenal to become a competent football team in the six weeks leading up to uh, us playing them. Absolutely atrocious performance from United. Arsenal in the first half, I thought, were absolutely excellent and a real, once again, this thing that you say all the time of, actually, it doesn't take very long to implement systems if you know what you're doing. Funnily that, isn't it? I mean, they 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 look, I wouldn't say exactly like City, but not far off the high press, which Arsenal haven't done for years because they definitely didn't do that under Wenger uh, and not really under Emery, uh, implemented really well, even got Bamiyang playing out on the left wing. I'm sure he's not happy about that because he. I mean, he's been he has been doing that all season, but uh, the, the, he probably has clearer instructions now than he had under Emery. Yeah, I mean, a player he wants wants away. So I guess part of Arteta's job is to try and make this squad happy. But the the first job is to implement a style that helps win games, and and this one they were just completely dominant, just completely dominant. United didn't care apart from Harry. Maguire's header from the corner, which was saved. United didn't create a shot of note in the game. Just nothing of of you know any uh, quality at all. A bunch of pot shots from distance, which re- you know really didn't trouble Lino at all. And and this is a goalkeeper who is not in great form. Made an awful rick against Chelsea. Um, is extremely inconsistent, and you would think might be a weak link, but weren't able to create anything. United. And and just completely dominated. And I suppose it just looked when you saw the team sheet and we heard that Pogba was out again and Ollie said he's out for a few weeks and his people have said that, and we'll come on to this one, I'm sure, uh, that uh, he may need an operation. We saw that team sheet, that there was definite kind of feeling of trepidation because Lingard had been out of form for, what, 18 months? 
or something. Matic been out of form for five years or something like that. Um, and, 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 you know, so we had a one-man midfield and that's Fred who's turned from a pub, pub footballer to something competent in the past month or so. So, I, I mean, I guess none of it was really a surprise. It was just a, just how insipid and lethargic and pathetic it all felt like. And coming into the last 10 minutes, desperate for a goal, and it's just nothing. Very, very little. I have to say, to kind of go back to Arsenal for a second, like in the first half, they were completely dominant and they all talked about it afterwards. Really superb post-match interview that if were worth watching from Socrates and Louise, just if you're interested in how footballers think. Um, they were talking about basically running out of steam in the second half. They're not really ready to play that style, but actually they adapted really well to running out of steam and they just defended really solidly and resolutely. Not not things you'd associate with Arsenal, obviously. Not things you'd associate with David Louise, but um, yeah, it was... They they did a really good job of cutting down our opportunities, but ultimately, you know, a, a deep lying defense is a problem to solve, isn't it? And and you know, it didn't look anywhere like solving it. There was a moment when Oli made the double sub, Greenwood for James and Pereira for Lingard. Sort of imagine that Pereira's like putting on a Spider Man suit and Jesse Lingard's putting on a Spider Man suit, and as they do the substitute, they substitution they replay the spider-man meme just point at each other will be similarly ineffective number 10s i mean i know Pereira's had a couple of good games but um i actually thought it was quite a well an unsurprisingly reductive substitution actually it would have been really interesting to see what would have happened if he'd brought greenwood on as a straight well greenwood on for lingard and had our four best attacking players all on the pitch at the same time rather than um, you know, because you could even go four four two at that point and play like uh, James on the left, Greenwood on the right, Martial and Rashford through the middle. Um, that would have been a, a reasonable option. But the, the sort of straight swap Lingard for Pereira, you're just hoping that something comes off, and hoping that something comes off seem seem to be the the entire attacking strategy once again in this game. Four shots on target, point uh, seven to point eight xG, depending on where you look. Um, no one has any decent numbers here. I mean, uh, two of those shots on target were for Mark, from Marcus Rashford. I didn't think he had a particularly effective game. He looks extremely frustrated. I, I thought Not he least... was very bad, actually, in that game. Like, I, I love Marcus Rashford. He's been in amazing form. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it comes out, oh, yeah, he played through an injury or something like that because he just looked dreadful. Yeah, quite, quite possibly. Feeding on scraps as well, though, because it was so static, United's midfield. I mean, there's, there was one point, and I, I always... Um, feel a bit reluctant to comment on work rate from watching a game on the TV because you don't really see the whole picture. But there was one uh, piece of play where it was about 30 seconds. The ball was generally in midfield, so the camera wasn't panning much. Nemanja Matic was stood on the centre circle, not moving for that entire time, not offering himself for the ball, not making an angle for anyone, not, not bursting forward ahead of the ball not sitting back and doing nothing for the team. And I thought it was completely symptomatic of our midfield. Jesse Lingard doesn't know how to find space. And you've got Fred, who's like all over the place. I mean, his numbers are the only ones that look any good. He was um, really good was... in that game. Like, I don't think he barely put a foot wrong all game. And, and his passing was crisp and quite imaginative. And he looked on a different planet to the rest of the team for that game. Yeah, and so as a result... The the amount of times that Lindelof and Maguire 
are like dallying on the ball, waiting for someone to pass to, throwing their arms up in the air. I mean, this is so frustrating. You, you just know nobody is moving and trying to create space. United were extremely easy to mark, and this is why the majority of our shots were from outside the box. It just the, the ball was getting banged into the channels all of the time. Um, and it was just, I, I just didn't know what, what were we doing in that game? We had more possession, just like 51%. Um, but was the plan to sit back and counter? Was the plan to retain possession and create chances? What was it? I mean, it almost felt like he, Oli had sent them out there saying, you yeah, know, lads, it's, it's Arsenal. Go out there and enjoy yourself or some other Oliism that he likes to say, because it didn't seem an obvious game plan. Whereas Arsenal, Clearly had a game plan. They were going to pressure us into making mistakes. And they did it. And he got the crowd up and the team was up. And we had no way of countering that. And and 2-0 was like quite flattering. Uh, did they score the second one before halftime? They did, I think. Yeah, yeah just, did, yeah. yeah. Um, but there was there, there are two goals. I mean, oh God, let's talk about the goals. So in the first one, there's two major errors from United players, in my opinion. Um, my definitely inexpert opinion when it comes to defending. But... Um, it looked to me like Maguire, you know, you talked about work rate and not liking to comment on it. And I, I feel very similarly about that, even not just from Montelli, but also like these people work physically so much harder than I do that I, I feel like it's very, I don't like to sit here in my comfy chair having a pop at these elite athletes for their work rate. But um, I thought Maguire switched off and didn't step out in line with everyone else because everyone else stepped out. But in stepping out, Luke Shaw completely forgot to check whether there were any players near him and not for the first time. Just really staggering lack of attention. You can you can see him on the replays. They showed slow motion replays. You can see him checking over his shoulder as the ball goes out to the left wing and he doesn't check again once for the whole rest of the move. Yeah, I, and look, Luke Shaw's poor positional play has been a symptom of his game for five years. The only time he's not in a bad position is when he's injured. I mean, it's just. <laughs> and look, he, he's we know we know we know he's he's not the best left back at the club. He's probably the third best left back at the club at this rate. And um and his time at United must surely be coming to an end. And I feel a lot of sympathy for Luke Shaw, or at least did at one stage. But just this is at some point you just go, well, your performance has been so bad in any job for so long that bye is you know it's time to say goodbye and the but the other defender is extremely culpable um Lindelof got drawn into the ball for the first one and for the second one who's marking what zone right they are they are zonal marking here and they are stood about five yards apart who is marking that zone one of them like Maguire is being culpable I think more than 10 goals this season he's been and I think we just have to be honest about this I don't think he's been very good this season, Maguire. Uh, and a lot of United's better defensive record has been, I think, down to Scott McTominay doing an extremely disciplined job in midfield. And as soon as he's not in midfield, United fall apart defensively. Uh, and But anyway, like one of them had to be in that zone. And so they're not talking to each other. Or one of them was in the zone and had wandered out. I'm not sure which one. But one of them. Yeah, the, before the corner was conceded, this is what I was going to go on to say about work rate, Luke Shaw was part of a counter-attack and was just jogging back. And 
it's so confusing when you see that because you think this seems to be like, okay, so there's a kind of energy management principle, right? Where, where the kind of uh, Wayne Rooney lung busting run for no reason that gets the crowd really G'd up isn't the only approach that makes sense for football. But when you're a fullback and the attack's coming down your side, aren't you supposed to bust the gut to get back like uh, Jen that is actually I'm not being that's not a rhetorical question I'm I'm asking a sincere question isn't that what you're meant to do well I think that's a rhetorical question (laughs) yes it it wasn't I actually yeah I'm like just it's happening so much with Shaw that I'm literally checking like is there a is there a new modern thing where you're allowed to just jump back the only way you that that's acceptable is if the defensive midfielder if you're playing with two on your side of the pitch, which is Nemanja Matic, is getting back into that zone to cover. And Matic isn't going to do that because he doesn't move outside of the centre circle. And I, I thought, like with Matic, sorry, just to, to um, praise into into uh, a discussion about him, uh, because, because <laughs> hashtag agenda, uh, I, I saw some positive discussion about Matic, uh, both after Burnley because he passed the ball fairly neatly and in this game because he what he made one jinky run into the penalty area is that it is that it because his defensive work is awful the first goal people are just walking past him they just going he does nothing at all nothing I, I, he's just horrible i honestly i'd play james garner in there because it cannot be as bad as playing the manu matic he just completely disrupts this midfield yeah you also like um this is reading too much into it, but he looked like smug when he came off as well, which is like, you know, he's out of here. You could see him like, oh, I don't have to care about this. I, hope, um, I really hope he is. I mean, I do hope it's because United are buying a couple of midfielders. I mean, we lost, well, it, we've it, lost it a couple be. in the last year, right? <laughs> Fellaini and Herrera have gone and we've lost a couple through injury. Pogba has only played seven games this season or something. McTominay's out for months now, it looks. I mean, it's going to be completely negligent if United don't do something in mid in midfield in the transfer market, and and I really hope this is not, you know, because Ollie said the other week uh, in the actually the other day in the build up to this game, well, we want to get the right ones in. We don't want to just buy anyone. Fine, right? You'd hope that United is doing the right kind of due diligence, the right kind of preparation work, which starts months ahead of time to have identified the targets. Anyway, right? So it should never be knee jerk. But if there's a time to be knee-jerk in buying a midfielder, it's right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I wanted to mention a, a comment we got on Instagram from our friend Abzi, who I, I think goes a little bit far in absolving Solskjaer for, for responsibility for the performance. But um, I did think what he said when he said, Rashford looked shot, Maguire, Shaw and Matic was a disastrous combination down the left-hand side. And Rashford's rare off night culminated in an utter static paralysis down that side. And both goals came down that flank. And I think that's absolutely where the game was won and lost. Like, not that Wan-Bissaka was brilliant or whatever, or even that, not that Dan James was brilliant. And, but the difference between you draw a line like down the middle of that pitch vertically and you're really seeing two different sides, one that can do it at this level and one that can't. Sure. I mean, actually, just a, one comment on Juan Bazaka, who, who had a decent enough game and he put in a cross uh, towards the end of the game, one United player in the box. One. Yeah. Like, she, I, I, that, I, it's just, we'd have had seven in the box under Fergie. Sorry to sound like a scouser and start harking backwards here, but <laughs> honestly, 
desperate to win the game, you should be desperate to win the game. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. A very, very, very disappointing performance in a game that was set up to be a game that we could do well in based on the, the historic patterns of this season. But as I said at the end of the show last time, I couldn't be optimistic about that game, even though logically there was plenty of reason to be. And I think ultimately the reason that I wasn't optimistic about that game is because we had won the games against Newcastle and Burnley. And this is one of the biggest indictments you could ever have against this team. But it looks to me like they actually need something to prove. And when they don't have something to prove, they're at their absolute worst. Yeah. And look, and and maybe, maybe that's true. So I, the Arsenal team do have something to prove, brand new manager. They made more tackles, made more interceptions, won more aerials and made more clearances. And United only had slightly more of the ball, right? It's not as if United were dominant. Arsenal made more than twice as many clearances. They, they, they were desperate to win this game. United, yeah, they United like players team with were not, clearly. And and um, a lot of that is on the management structure, not just in terms of the tactics and the individual selection details, but the, the cultural shift that is supposed to be happening. Now, he hasn't yet got rid of everyone he would want to get rid of. And I saw somebody say that, the, I think it was on the Instagram live stream I did, somebody said the, the thing he's done best is the players he's got rid of. That's the, that's the one thing you'd give him his highest grade for so far. And that job's not finished. But um, the the job of making these players feel like they belong in the United shirt has not been done. It really hasn't been done. And that's the that's the thing I wanted Van Gaal to do. That's definitely the thing I wanted Mourinho to do. Um and it's the thing we need Solskjaer to do. And it's still it's still the same. The 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 absolute United Itis of it all. The post Fergie United Itis, which is the complete inability to string together and build confidence for any length of time. And and as long as that keeps happening, we might scrape the odd fourth place finish if the teams around us uh, suck. But that's that's it. And and you know th- there are really losing McTominay and Pogba is a massive blow. But we, I'm pretty sure, if you listened to our first episode this season, we said something along the lines of you lose McTominay and Pogba, and we're talking about a midfield pivot of Fred and Matic, and then we're in real trouble. And all right, so Fred has transformed since then, but Matic certainly hasn't. So should we um, should we transition on to talking about Pogba in the midfield and all that kind of stuff? All right, yeah, because this is a this is a fun conversation, isn't it? Um, so in the end, this is what this is what pushed me over the edge. I haven't really enjoyed having a Twitter account again. Generally, I don't like the platform. It's not good for me personally. If 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 you like it, good luck to you. I'm not kind of, but I I find it very. It's just not a nice platform. There's no nobody's been nasty to me really. I've had a, like probably two abusive tweets since I've been back, and that's a a tiny number. I just don't like. There's so many things I don't like about it, and the thing that actually pushed me over the edge was the sheer certainty and volume coming from people about who and what Paul Pogba is, a man they've never met in their lives. Like it drives me up the. Maybe Paul Pogba is um like a. A terrible, characterless human being that I don't know him either. But 
You don't either, dear listener. You don't know that he is those things. You only have a bunch of assumptions that are being fed by a combination of external and internal influences to create a picture of something. Like, I I don't wish pain on anyone, but whenever anyone is, like, talking about a player not being big enough or manly enough or brave enough to come back for injury or lacking character because they're not coming back from injury, I wish they were experiencing the physical pain that the person that they were slagging off was experiencing. And then if it turns out it's none, carry on. But if it turns (laughs) out actually you can hardly walk to your front door, then maybe you should shut up. Yeah, I I mean, I have to say I've... uh, I. I, uh... I can cope with the toxicity of Twitter <laughs> fine, but yeah. um, I, I do I do find the group think of uh, the the kind of narrative that has been built up that Pogba is obviously faking this very serious injury and he's doing it in order to get out of the club ridiculous because it's based on nothing other than speculation. Now it doesn't help that in the week that Pogba has apparently um, uh, re-injured this ankle. Uh, assuming that's the case, because Solskjaer didn't appear to know. And I think this, it doesn't help that that's one, Raiola does a pretty provocative interview um, in Italy, basically saying that Pogba needs to be uh, amongst, um, well, first he said that Pogba needs to have uh, good players around him. That was last week, right? Fair yeah. enough. Right? And then he said that if you took, uh, in this interview in Italy, he said, if you took Meli, Messi, Pele and Maradona, Mele, Pele, Pele Donna, um, to United, uh, they, they would ruin them too, which may well, be, which may well be true. Um, uh, and, and, um, and then he said, I wouldn't take any of my players there anymore. Right? So it was pretty pro- provocative as an interview. And then on top of that, you then get Pogba out. So it's triggered a hell of a lot of people as a result. But I don't think you can go... One plus two equals obvious conspiracy. It's pretty damaging when uh, Solskjaer doesn't appear to know and he appears to be getting information from the Pogba camp rather than his own medical team. Yeah, that that stuff is really bad. And I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out the relations between the player and the club have broken down. That That wouldn't be a surprise at all. But I think even that is like nuanced and complicated in its own way and that Raiola the second really provocative Raiola thing like I'm going to say a sentence I genuinely never thought I'd say in my whole life right which start well not a sentence but the beginning of a sentence which starts with the words in defense of Mino Raiola <laughs> right um I don't think along with uh, the one of the great lies along with I love Jose Mourinho <laughs> and the checks in the post yeah. but like in defense of Mino Raiola he didn't say that I don't think because of the Pogba situation I think he said that because he was affronted by the briefings that came out after the Haaland thing because at first after the Haaland thing he says oh you know maybe one day he'll end up at United and then United start briefing oh yeah well you know we would have bought him but mm, unfortunately they wanted the player's father to have a share of the sell-on fee a Borussia Dortmund giving the player's father a share of the a share of the sell-on fee does that sound like how that club's run maybe 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 we don't have the information but anyway I am not surprised based on that briefing that Raiola ended up fuming at United I'm not surprised either Uh, although I if I was United right now I would be very wary about working with Raiola again just because of the absolute (laughs) disruption he brings Uh, and oh he's 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 horrible and terrible 
Anyway, I mean, it, it leaves United in a really awful position. If he has re-injured this ankle and he's having an operation on it, and I guess we'll find out whether he is having another operation on this um, or it's just more rest, he's going to be out for a, a bunch more weeks. So we're talking about spring before he's potentially fit. Not many games left. So, it, I, I mean, and McTominay potentially with knee ligament injuries, we haven't been told how long that one is, but... Um, I heard March, yeah, a lot yeah, of March. Yeah, so Solskjaer talk. said months, but, not weeks, right? So um, then, then I mean, there, there's just, there's just, you just, it just cannot happen that United don't get someone in. I don't care whether it's a loan or a, a buy or something; it has to happen. Um, any any ideas at all who it could? No, be? I mean the 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 speculation last week was around Gerson Fernandez. Um, the Benfica midfielder, very talented all-rounder, I would say, more in the sort of Fred mould uh, than in the Bruno Fernandes um, goal-scoring mould, which is the today's speculation. It was yesterday's speculation and the day before that speculation as well. <laughs> and of course, Ericsson's out of contract and Tottenham will take a fee because Daniel Levy has said, we'll take a fee. But the the, the thing is... We desperately need a number 10. Like, we desperately need a number 10. But now, central midfielders, like, superseded our desperation for a number 10 because we only have one. Like, unless you include James Garner, we've only got Fred. Nemanja Matic is a joke. You, you know, and, and like, uh, you said five years. It's not five years. His first six months at United were great. But since then, it's been all downhill from there. And now, I don't blame him for this, by the way. He also doesn't care. Like, I, I, I actually don't blame him at all for that because why should he? He's been completely excluded from everything. And it's like, now everyone's dead. Oh, now you want me. And he might have a degree of professional pride, but I think he's, like, enjoying doing jinky runs around in the box and not particularly want to do anything else. Well, that's about squad management and all that stuff as much as it is about Matic's personal failings. Yes. But we uh, desperately... Both, both yeah. is the answer. Both. Yeah. I mean, and United's we, been running around chasing... And we, we know United can't do more than one deal at once. So I suppose now the Haaland deal has collapsed. They can focus on something else. <laughs> we are... So, and, and, you know, I know we're swinging wildly from, like, some degree of optimism and happiness to frustration and... Uh, madness but I think that's probably going to keep going and mostly I've just been like I said all along I've been trying to enjoy this season I uh, I've got a load of notes about the Arsenal game the only thing that I enjoyed about that game was Fred's performance really Martial was uh did his job fairly well um Rashford was shocking Dan James didn't really get a chance to do anything and Nothing did he do. Matic was a joke. Maguire was terrible. Shaw was terrible. Wambasaka was fine. Defensively solid. Pretty poor going forward. What a surprise that is. It just, oh, De Gea, I don't think he did too much wrong for the goal, which he palmed out the... the nobody went with Lacazette either, by the way, when he made the break to get the flick on that started the corner. Nobody even looked to go with him. Nobody blocked the space between him and the goal. De Gea did well to palm that out. Um, but the, uh, the 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 clearance, in inverted commas, that he'd made like 10 minutes into the game, because there was the Lacazette chance that he skewed wide. There was the one where Torreira had a really good opportunity and skewed it wide. Then Pepe hit the post from Mars. Like, terrible. Dreadful. Anyway... Should we, uh, should we leave it, take a break and talk about Wolves? Let's do that. 
enjoy, no question about that. If so, let others know about us. The best way to do that is leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and hit that subscribe button. All right, so when we are down on our luck and struggling and playing really badly and don't have any midfielders, one of the teams that I don't particularly want to go away to in the third round of the FA Cup is like the league's third best midfield. Yeah, funny team this year, aren't they, Wolves? So we've struggled against them in recent times, drew with them right at the beginning of the season, lost there twice last season. uh, And uh, Wolves have been a real up and down team and they're the pattern of their season is really funny because they didn't win until the end of September. They had such a difficult start to the season. I'm assuming it's associated to the Europa League. They've got a very thin squad. They didn't particularly strengthen it in the summer. Um, and uh, it's meant they had these this, this really kind of bumpy time. And then they had this long stretch of not losing between the end of September and until they lost to Tottenham in mid-December. Um, and it felt like their season was back on track, and then they've just lost three in the last five, including mm. losing away to Watford, which we can we yeah, can I do, mean, but we wouldn't expect. They, they lost. They lost to Tottenham. Understandable. They lost away at Anfield. Very unlucky in that one. You know, Liverpool's twelfth man Var on uh, on their side. I'm, I'm joking, but just add to the conspiracy. Um. So. Yeah, very unfortunate in that one, but understandable. In between that, of course, they beat Manchester City, uh, which was a big result for them. Um, beat them getting well over 2xG as well, you know, so like properly, properly beat them. Um, so just a, a weird team that has been like pretty hot and cold this season. But it kind of it's kind of that pattern you get with teams that are in the Europa League and perhaps weren't expecting to be there and don't have the size of squad to cope with the mammoth number of extra fixtures, especially since they had to play qualifiers as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and it in a way it has gone sort of bang to form and they are they are their really good period sort of showed actually they are they are a team that can, you know, compete at the high they're still a team that compete at the highest level. They're not gonna fall off a cliff or anything. Uh, fantasy football legend Eight goals and six assists this season for Raul Jimenez up front. And then just all-round football legend, Adama Traore, uh, who is, if they don't play him on the right in this game, on their right, attacking our left, they are mad. Because you don't want him going up against Wan-Bissaka. There's no need to do that. You're, you're kind of taking away, well, not taking away, but limiting one of his best weapons but if they play him on the right, he's going to have an absolute field day, if, especially if Luke Shaw plays, which I wonder if he will, because he's going to protect, inverted commas, protect Williams from the, the kind of glare of the spotlight of what is likely to be a terrible performance. <laughs> no, I, well, I don't know. I mean, after after Shaw at Arsenal, then uh, he has to, I mean, he has to play Williams. Although he said he was happy with Matic and Fred after after the Arsenal performance, so... Like who? Who knows? Um, I mean, the the funny thing about Wolves is they're just not all that changed from last season. Yeah, you know, they they spent a lot of money after they came up, um, but they had a consolidatory period uh, during the summer. So you know, all the players that we expect to be in there have been playing all this season. Ruben Neves is Angel Martinez, the, the crux of their midfield. Um, Dendonka playing in defensive midfield. Raul Jimenez will be up front. Uh, Traore may play on the right. You're right, he might do. 
um, Neto down the left, Pedro. Um, it, it's kind of what you expect. The only one that they've uh, if really integrated into the team who didn't play a lot last season, Roman Tais, who's played a lot in defensive midfield. But but yeah, apart from that, it's last season. They they brought in Patrick uh, Coutrone uh, from Milan, and he's really not played much. Only scored two mm. goals this season as well. Yeah. I wonder if he'll play just because they might not prioritise the FA Cup given... I mean, that that's the other possibility, of course, is that they play really weak inside given that they are struggling to... They have struggled to juggle the Europa League and the league. That's, that's I guess... Yeah, yeah. So they, they need to focus on the league so they can get back into the Europa League, the competition, which is their season. Yeah. I mean, they, they could win the Europa League. It's it absolutely do. not outrageous to suggest that Wolves are in, a, in with the shout of winning the Europa League. I'm not saying they're the best team in it, obviously. Um, but, you know, they, 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 they're they such a dangerous proposition. The funny thing is we talked a lot at the beginning of the season about how our midfield would stack up terribly to theirs. And actually, that game, the first half, we were mesmeric in the first half of that game. That was a Pogba masterclass. Probably the best half of football we've played all season, to be honest. Um, but the second half, not so good. Um, and now we don't have any good midfielders apart from Fred. <laughs> are we going to pull off a surprise? Uh, <laughs> because this is... This- Wolves side is also a low possession side, so it's 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 one of those weird ones where we may well have more possession than we'd like, and we don't have the opportunities <laughs> <laughs> to to break on them because that's the only time we look dangerous. Otherwise, we're taking shots on twenty five yards, and you're just hoping one of them flies in. So, um, it, you know, we felt confident after Newcastle and Burnley because they were two competent performances, aided, of course, by two incompetent defensive performances from our opponents. Um, I don't think Wolves will defend badly. They haven't done generally this season. Um, and I think they'll be happy to give us the majority of the ball. It it feels like this game is set up um, for us having some trouble. Uh, that's what it feels like. But then again, we said that against about Newcastle and Burnley games. One thing that's interesting to me about this game is that Wolves are substantial favourites with the bookmakers. Um, so you can get almost two to one on United to win this game. Which, you know, historically being able to get two to one on United to win a game. It, it feels like the bookmakers have finally, it took them a long time to catch up, I think, to how terrible United truly were. Um, but yeah, the, the data sets are all in now, aren't they? We're just, we're just a bang average team who have like five really good players or on their day, we have five amazing players and... If those if they all turn up, if our front three put on a clinic, then great, we'll win this game. And if our front three don't put on a clinic, we'll probably lose. Well, yeah, and that that front three is going to be really important because Wolves will play three at the back. So it's um, whether it's Daniel James or or Mason Greenwood on the right of that front three, or if he really juggles it up, won't matter. Ouch! Strange substitution that was. Um, <laughs> It's always strange when Wayne Matter comes on these days, but with 10 minutes to go at Arsenal, it was a little odd. Uh, anyway, um, they'll play a front three, so those two wide players are really important, getting into the channels and and uh, getting that back three out of position. Every time he brings Matter on in the 80th minute, like, I don't know, I think I mentioned this on the show a couple of weeks ago, but um, on the United podcast, which is excellent, I've got an interview coming up on uh, next week's show with Sam, who co-hosts it, I 
gives us the inside story on the Glazer takeover. And no, he doesn't. No, none of that happens. But uh, it was a lovely chat with my friend Sam. Um, but he's, he does a terrific job of hosting that podcast. But Solshire, who did the Christmas special episode, said he would always think that, like, he needed 20 minutes to make a difference in a game. 10 minutes wasn't enough. 20 minutes is what he needed to make a difference. And he keeps bringing Juan Matter on with 10 minutes to go. He's not an impact player. No. He's not much of a player these days, but he's definitely not an impact player. No, but even if he was an impact player, Solskjaer, who's sort of the ultimate impact player, is out here telling everyone, well, to be honest, impact players need 20 minutes. And then he's giving players 10 minutes to try and make a difference. But I would like to see a starting 11 of Romero, not to drop David De Gea, but FA Cup, Romero... Um, Williams, Maguire, Twanzebe, uh, Wambisaka, um, Fred, Garner. I mean, it's going to be Matic, but Garner, um, Rashford, Greenwood, James, Martial. Like, I'd like to see all four of them in the starting eleven at the same time. Will never happen. Will no. never happen. But I would like to see it. That would be quite exciting. Yeah, I'd like to see. Look of of. All of that, my two priorities would be to drop Matic and Shaw. Yeah. Because what's the point? Especially if they're on the same Honestly. side. Like, that's the that's just, it, it triples the damage of each of them. Anyway, should we call it a day? Let's call it a day. Thanks for listening, everyone. Sorry it's been so miserable. Happy New Year. Aside from the football, um, uh, we, I'm sure Ed would join me in wishing all of you a happy, prosperous and peaceful 2020 um, and try and enjoy the good bits of football where, where the little scraps that they drop for us. Um, and, and if you can't have a happy, peaceful uh, and prosperous 2020, get on Twitter and get some rage in there. <laughs> Brill. All right. Um, oh, yeah. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, Instagram.com slash NQAT pod. All right. See you next week. For ad free versions of this podcast, consider backing us. Head to patreon.com slash NQAT pod. <laughs>